Man, well, it's a joy to be here. I have looked forward to uh, being in the church and uh, just privileged to, to be here and to preach here tonight. And uh, I, for many years, was on staff there with Lighthouse Baptist Church with Brother Fisher and uh, got to meet Pastor Shemish many years ago, back in 2003, I think. And uh, didn't realize that Pastor Lloyd was there at the same time. And after, when he told me that story uh, about hearing me preach Brother Wade's class, I had no idea that he was there. And uh, so I had to check, what message did I preach? Just wanted to make sure. But uh, anyway, it's a joy to be here. I want to thank you just for a couple things, for sharing your pastor. Uh, thank you for sh sharing Pastor Shemesh uh, coming to America. And, and uh, he's had a great impact on my family, as well as many others there at, at Lighthouse. And then Pastor Lloyd, the same way. He and I have gotten to know each other a little bit in the last few years at uh, the leadership conference. And uh, I appreciate both these men, but without your faithfulness, they wouldn't be able to travel and do what they do. And now Brother Shemish in Thailand, and uh, just your faithfulness and your stand here at the church allows them to have the ministry they have. So thank you. And I uh, just appreciate you uh, just being true to that. And, and uh, then thank you for your kindness to me. I, I was telling someone this morning or this afternoon, uh, this morning I felt very much at home. I felt like I was in, you know, just our church. And, uh, and I like that, amen. Isn't it an amazing thing? You can go anywhere in the world and find another group of believers and instantly it feels like home because it is. We're of the same family, amen. We have the same father. And uh, we're going to spend eternity together, amen, whether we cheer for maroon or blue. So, Brother Paul, where you at? Where, where's he? There he is. He's hiding. He's looking. He's by, by the door. He's going to sneak out if things get a little bit rough for him. He can't take it. He thought he was going to get me, but you gave me the microphone, so, uh, amen. Uh, take your Bibles there. Let's please go back to Luke chapter number 5. And uh, this is an amazing, amazing passage of Scripture. And uh, I'll not read those verses again. You'll want to keep a marker here. Also put one, if you will, in Mark chapter number 4. So we have Luke 5, Mark 4. Then we'll get over to Matthew 14 a little bit later. Uh, but we'll start here in, in, in Luke chapter 5. Let's go ahead and pray. And we'll get right into the thoughts for tonight. Our Father, I pray you'd bless us as we look into the scriptures. And Father, these folks did not come to hear from me tonight. They did come to hear from you. So I pray, dear Holy Spirit, you'd settle on this room in an unusual way. Would you speak to our hearts? Would you illuminate our minds? Holy Spirit, will you take the scripture that's read and that's preached? And would you apply it individually to our hearts? Do what only you can do. I pray you'd bring conviction that we cannot bring. I pray that you'll bring understanding and encouragement that only comes from you. And may we leave here different than we were when we came. And we'll thank you in advance for what we're going to, to hear and learn from you tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight we're going to look into the life of one of the disciples. We're going to observe a couple of, actually four different events in his life that shaped who he was and what he did for God. Now, Peter, of course, is the one mentioned here in this passage. And Peter's probably the most well-known of the disciples. Maybe he and John would probably vie for that, that title. We don't know a lot about some of the disciples. We don't know a great deal about Matthew other than he worked for the government and collected taxes. Probably wasn't the most favorite of the apostles. Uh, Bartholomew, we know very little. Andrew, uh, can you imagine being Andrew for your whole life? Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Just think about that. I mean, his whole life, you know, he was the first one to come to Christ. He was a follower of John the Baptist, was there when, G, you know, when John said, Behold, the Lamb of God was taken away the sin of the world. He left John, went to Jesus, and then said, Man, I've got to have my brother come meet him. Goes and gets Simon, brings him back, and from then on, he's Simon Peter's brother. Just anybody, a younger brother, know how that works? Yeah, that, that was me growing up. Uh, you know, there's James, and uh, James the Less, we don't know a lot about him, Thaddeus. Um, we do know ones, you know, we know some of them. We know Judas, the betrayer. Uh, we know Andrew because he was Simon Peter's brother. James, the brother of John, he was a fisherman who also in this passage left all and followed Jesus. Uh, he was one of the, the inner three. We know John, the one whom Jesus loved. But Peter, that bold, brash, outspoken fisherman, I, I kind of associate with him. 
because I have a tendency to speak sometimes before I've completely thought something through. And some of you are smiling right now and your wives are nudging you because you're that way too. Amen. I see some of the things Peter did and I'm like, okay, there's hope for me. If God can use him, he can still use me. Amen. Uh, Peter was a very unique Bible character. In, 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 other than Christ, he's probably mentioned more than than any other uh, of the disciples and, and uh, probably more than any uh, Christian other than maybe Paul. I've thought about this. If God spends that much time talking about an individual, it's not because God was trying to fill up pages in a book so he could sell it to a publisher. If he spent that much time, it's because there are lessons he wants us to learn from the life of that Bible character. One of the ways I recommend young people study their Bible and, and all of us, look at the characters. Look at the people God highlights. What does he say about them? Look at what he doesn't say about them. Because nothing in your Bible is there on purpose and nothing is admitted by accident. God had a plan for every word. And Peter here, we find some amazing things about him. And I believe we'll learn some lessons tonight that will help each of us. First of all, I want us to look again back at this passage in in Luke chapter number 5. And we'll see specifically what Jesus says to him. In verse number 3, he entered into one of the ships. Notice there were two ships. He entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's. And pray then that he would thrust out a little from the land, and then he, he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. And when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Did you notice the partial obedience? Jesus said, Let down the nets, plural. Peter said, I'll let down the net. Well, how many of us, we do that? We only go halfway for God. He tells us to do something, and and we we make a little attempt at it. But in this particular passage, we see some amazing things. Um, Jesus is in the boat with Simon Peter. We're going to look at, if you're looking for a title, Lessons Learned in a Boat. Lessons learned in a boat. Here we see Peter, uh, he had seen Jesus do some amazing things. Jesus had healed his mother-in-law. Jesus then borrows Peter's boat to to speak and teach the crowd. He sits in in the boat and teaches the multitude. And then he he takes that little boat and tells Peter to launch out into the deep. He's going to do some... One-on-one teaching with, with, John, with Peter, uh, separate from everyone else. I noticed some things in this test. As Jesus is in the boat in the day with, with Peter. Uh, he asked him to cast his net. Now think about this. Jesus asked for permission to get in the boat. There were two boats. Jesus wanted to teach the crowd. They were pressing upon him. What if Peter would have said, No, you can't use my boat. Jesus would have gone to the other one, and he'd have missed an opportunity. But Jesus got into his boat, and and Peter had no idea that, that how he responded to that invitation would determine the rest of his life. It would determine the kind of ministry he would or would not have. I wonder how many of us, when Jesus comes and presses upon us for a need, and we delay in responding, we realize what we're giving up. When Jesus speaks to us, we need to listen. When he asks something of us, we need to respond. How Peter responded to Jesus' request determined his future ministry opportunities. There were two boats. In this lesson, notice in in verse number 5 where he says, when Jesus told him to launch out into the deep and let down your nets, he says in verse 5, Simon answered, said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night. Well, that was normal for them. If you study much about the fishing on on that sea, they they would toil all night. They would fish at night. That was when they caught the most fish. We find later they did that in, in John's gospel. He says, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Notice the next part. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. You see, in this first test, in the boat, in the day, when he says, cast out, uh, cast out your nets, he, he is teaching Peter to trust his proclamation. Trust my word. You and I need to understand we can trust God's word. 
We can trust that written word of God, what he has said to us. Most of us, the problem is not we don't know the Bible. Our problem is we don't obey what we know. It's not how much Bible do you know. It's how much do you obey. If we were to tear every page out of your Bible that you do not obey, how big would your Bible be? I'm afraid most of us wouldn't have a pocket New Testament left. But Peter said, nevertheless... At thy word. I don't understand it, Jesus. We fished all night. We're experienced. We know how to fish, but you said it and we'll obey. What is it God has said to you that you've not yet responded to? What commandments from Him do you need to just trust Him about? This test was in the day, night testing would come later. Aren't you glad God doesn't just throw us on the deep end on the test to begin with? He starts with those little ones. I still feel like sometimes I'm in the kindergarten years of my Christian life, and I've been saved a long time. You say, how long? I'm too tired to do the math right now. But I know that my, my wife and I have been in ministry together for 38 years. And, and we, we've been take, talking recently about it. We thought, you know, a, a year and a half ago, we thought we had it all figured out. We thought we had, man, this is going to be great. The rest of our lives would be doing this. And then God stepped in and changed it. You ever had God do that to you? Where you were kind of in your comfort zone and, and, and liking what you were doing for God. And then he says, well, that's great, but I've got another plan. Peter was just fishing that day. He was cleaning his nets. And Jesus stepped by, got in his boat. And Peter's life was never the, the same after that because Jesus got in the boat. He was learning with Jesus in the boat, in the day, to just listen to his word. Look at verse number 8. And Simon, when Simon Peter saw it, that's the, the draught of the nets, how many fish they caught, they almost sunk the ship. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. He got a good look at who Jesus is. You know, sometimes we read this passage, we'll read, uh, you know, we'll read Matthew 4.19 where Jesus said, Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. They forsook all and followed him. We think it was just the first time they saw Jesus. It was not. There were about eight or nine events that took place in the life of Peter with Jesus before this event. Jesus gives us a reason to follow him. Amen. He works that relationship with us. And here Peter, he began to see Jesus for who he is. In Isaiah chapter number 6 and verse number 5, uh, when, when, when Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, what did he say? He said, Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. You know, when we get a good look at who God is, we'll see who we are. Peter had been fishing all night in his strength. He hadn't caught anything. But Jesus said, well, just let down your net. Let down your nets. He did. And all of a sudden, he had the blessings of God. Let me just say this. God's work done God's way always receives God's blessing. Do you know what many of us do in our Christian life? We want to do it our way. I'm the expert. Pastor Shemesh, I've been preaching long enough. I know how to write sermons. I, I can read a passage, figure out how to outline it. I know how to do that. And I've done that just because I know how. But there's a world of difference between that time when in the middle of a message or in the middle of your study, the Lord shows up. And he just shoves you out of the way. And he does something that you don't even understand. And you get done and people come up to you and say, man, that was a blessing. You're like, I don't even know what happened. Oh, it's fun to just be in the middle of that. Can you imagine being Peter in that boat? I mean, he was just sitting there cleaning his net. Jesus asked him to launch out a, a little bit. And Jesus taught the people. And then he got into the deep. And he went out into the deep. And he let down a net and almost sank his ship. Why? Because he just trusted what Jesus said. Well, my friend, and if you're in the boat today with the Lord, trust what he says. I'd like for you to quickly go to Mark chapter number 4, please. We'll see another time where Peter is in the boat with Jesus. Mark chapter 4 and verse number 35. The Bible says, In the same day when the evening was come, he said unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there was also with him other little ships. 
And there rose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he, that's Jesus, was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they wake him and said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And Jesus arose and rebuked the wind. And he said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? The first time Jesus was with Peter in a boat, it was in the day. He was learning to trust his proclamation. The second time he's with Jesus in a boat in a storm. Here Jesus is with them. They're headed to the other side. Did you catch that? He said, let us go over to the other side. Can I tell you something? If he said to go over, you're not going to go under. Amen? Our problem is we don't listen when Jesus says that kind of stuff. Amen? If they would have just been paying attention to him, they'd have understood it didn't matter what happened between this side of the shore and that side. Jesus said, we're going over. They're in the ship. A storm comes. Trouble came upon them. And Jesus said, why have you no faith? Now think about this. These weren't the scribes and Pharisees he was talking about. He was talking about the disciples, the twelve, those who he had called to follow him, the ones who had left all, they forsook all and followed him. They had watched in Matthew chapter 8 when he healed the leper. They watched in Matthew 8 when he healed the centurion's son, when he healed Peter's mother-in-law, all in Matthew chapter 8, just before this event. Yet in verse number 38, knowing the Savior, knowing who he was and his character, they looked at him and said, Master, Carest thou not that we perish? Don't you care? Well, he had, they'd seen enough in him. They knew he cared. But how many of us are exactly the same way? In our Christian life, oh, we've been saved. We trusted him for our eternity. But we don't think he can take care of the problem we have today. We're trusting him to give us a home in heaven, but don't think he can pay for the one to live in now. We, we, we're trusting Him for a robe of righteousness for all of eternity. We don't think He can clothe us now. We're just like the disciples in the middle of that storm. They, they were being taught a lesson. Trust my presence. He was with them in the ship. He said, we're going to go over. Uh, verse number 40, he said, why are you so fearful? And how is it that you have no faith? Verse 41, and they feared exceedingly. And one said to another, what manner of man is this? That even the wind and the sea obey him. They were learning to trust his presence. What a wonderful thing when the Bible says in, in Hebrews 13, verse number 5, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he, for he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Isn't it a wonderful thing to know that once you got saved, the Spirit of God moved inside and He's not leaving. Amen? In this trip, I just, I've been away from my, parent, my family for about a week before I flew from San Diego to here. I'd left my home in Michigan about a week earlier. And there was a birthday party, in fact, three birthday parties since I left for my grandchildren. Uh, one of my grandsons yesterday, and um, Pastor, I'm kind of missing him a little bit, you know, because I'm used to being around them. And, and my grandson, who lives right next door to me, doesn't like it when Pawpaw's gone. And I'm not Grandpa, I'm Pawpaw because I'm not old enough to be Grandpa, I'm Pawpaw. And, uh, and, and, and one of the families um, in, in San Diego that they call me Pawpaw as well, he asked me, he said, you're going to Pawpaw, New Guinea? Did they name it after you? Like, yes, they did. It's wonderful. But when we're away from, from our loved ones, man, there's a hole there. Do you realize that now that you're saved, you're never going to be without him? The disciples were in a boat. The storm came. But Jesus was there. Why were they afraid? But you and I as, as believers today, what do we do? We, we're the same way. Some little trouble comes. And we wonder, is it real? Can he really help me? 
Mark 4 and verse number 41, look at it. And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? You see, we need to learn to trust him when we can see him. You know he's in the storm, and you know this test is from him. You realize they wouldn't have been in that storm were it not for Jesus? We're going to get to, I'm about to run ahead to my next point, but. Notice again, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Think about it. If the winds and sea obey him, why don't his children? Because our faith is weak. Here he said, you have no faith. I read this like, wait a minute, they left all and followed him and they have no faith? What do I have? Amen. You know, I think that's why God put these stories in the Bible. I don't know about you, I like to get in the stories and, and like to, you know, just kind of play act in my mind. How would I respond? I don't know how well I'd have done on this one. Amen. I mean, he's in a storm. Uh, the storm's coming in. They're learning to just trust him. You see, faith causes us to obey. I wonder what is it you've not yet obeyed that God has told you to do and it's because you just haven't had the faith to trust his presence. Uh, quickly, just keep your, um, wait, go to Matthew if you would. Matthew chapter 28. We'll go there and then we'll come back to Matthew 14. Matthew 28. Jesus said in verse number 18, this is the great passage on the great commission. And Jesus came and spake to them saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things which I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. He said, I'm with you. In the boat, in the day, learn to trust his word, his proclamation. In the boat with him, in the storm, Peter was learning to trust his presence. But now I'd like for you to go to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew 14 and We'll begin in, we'll pick up the story here in verse number 22. Matthew 14 and verse number 22. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into his ship. Now you understand what that means. If they hadn't got in the ship, he'd have put them in the ship. That's what that means. And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into his ship to go before him into the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitude away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, there was, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, and said, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. By the way, if you want, to, if you want an interesting study, just look at how many times Jesus told the disciples, Be not afraid or fear not. Over and over and over again he told them that. Verse number 28. And Peter said, uh, answered him, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. Peter was come down out of the ship. He walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And being, uh, beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said to him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? When they were coming to the, the ship, the wind ceased. And when they were in the, the, then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. And they were gone over, they came, they came into the land of Gennesaret. We'll stop right there. This is an amazing story. This is the third time you see Peter in a boat with Jesus. First time, it's just Jesus and Peter in the day. Learning to trust his, proclam his proclamation. The second time, with him in the storm. Learning to trust his presence. But this time, they were in the boat in a storm without him. In this one, they were learning to trust his promise. Look, if you will, at verse number 22. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship to go before him unto the other side. 
He put him in the boat. Said, guys, go over there. I will meet you. He promised them that. He said, go before him, and he sent the multitude away. What was he doing while they were in the ship? He went up on the mountain to pray for them. While they were toiling in the waves, he was working. While they were in a place of peril, he was in a place of prayer. And the Bible says he saw them toiling. He knew exactly where they were. You know, sometimes God puts us in a situation where we cannot see him, but he can see us. I love over in Job 23 where Job is, is trying to find the Lord. I have a message I preach out of that called what to do when you don't know where God is. And, and Job is looking at I looked at my left hand. He's not there. I looked at my right. I cannot find him. And, and, and in the middle of all this, he said, I, can't, I, I don't know where he's at. He said, if I did, I'd go to him. In the middle of that, Job says, but he knoweth the way that I take. I don't know where he is, but he knows exactly where I am. Isn't that a wonderful thing? The disciples were in the middle of a storm. They thought they were going to die. Now, think about how bad the storm had to be. These were experienced fishermen. Three of them, anyway. They'd been on that sea their whole lives. They knew this. And they thought this was over. And, and so they're, they're troubled. And, and all of a sudden, in the middle of this, Jesus comes to them. Um, these men were wondering... As the storm is raging, what, you know, what's going on? He, why are we in this situation? Sometimes I wonder if that's exactly the way we are. You know, we see somebody in a storm and we automatically think, what did they do wrong? You know, sometimes storms in our life, difficulties, I'm talking about trouble, is not because we're in sin, but because we're in the center of the will of God. These men would have been wrong if they hadn't have been in the boat. He constrained them. And how many times have I made a decision in the ministry and started out there and all of a sudden things didn't go the way I planned? Anybody ever been like that? I'm a planner. I like to have everything structured. I have detailed outlines. I go to the store with an outline. It drives my wife crazy. I'm going to go to this store and have, you know, I'm going to this section. I'm going to get this, this, and this. And this section, I'm going to do this. I'm just, that's the way I'm built. Right, I schedule everything. I did that with my entire ministry. I graduated from high school a year early, went right to Bible college. This, I'm going to graduate this number of years. I'm going to go do that. Right. God said, great plan, just not mine. Amen. So I squeezed my college degree into 11 years. Yeah, you try that. Amen. Now, in the 11 years, I got married, had four kids, and started two churches. But it still was 11 years. Amen. My, my son-in-law said there's still hope. Amen. And... Uh, these men, they're on the boat. Now think about it. It was Jesus who orchestrated all of that. Think about Peter for a minute. He'd been in the boat with the disciples before. He'd been in the boat with the disciples when a storm came before. He'd been in so much trouble he thought he was going to die before. But Jesus was there. This time... It's different. Same boat. Same disciples. Big storm. But no Savior. Jesus was not there. Last time Jesus was asleep. But he was there. This time. No Jesus. Why? Because now it was, for, it was time for Peter to grow in his faith. Remember before he said, you have no faith. This time he said, of little faith. Peter's faith had grown some. It was time for Peter to trust Jesus in a way that seemed impossible. Now think about this. They're in the boat. The storm's raging. They look out and they see what they think is a spirit. Let me put that in the way we would understand it. They thought they were seeing a ghost. Amen. And they were afraid. Don't mock them. You would be too. It's not normal to have somebody walking on the waves in the middle of a storm. And they look out there and Jesus says, be of good cheer. Cheer up, boys. They had to think he was crazy. Cheer up. Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. And loudmouth Peter, if it be thou, okay, if it's you, let me come out. You know Peter didn't think that through. 
And Jesus said, come. Can you imagine as Peter starts to do that? I mean, I hope you don't mind me staying on the furniture, but it's going to happen. He's, he's there in the boat, and he starts stepping out. Can you hear the other 11? Peter, no! I can see it now in the 20-year disciple reunion. Remember that day we were in the boat? Remember the storm was raging? Remember the lightning was flashing? The waves were blowing? You know that's how we would tell it. And, and all of a sudden Jesus came and we thought it was a ghost. But remember Jesus spoke to us and, and I asked him, Can, you know, if it be thou, bid me come on the water. And remember he said come. Remember how we all stepped out? Oh, no, it wasn't all, was it? That's the way we would tell it. Peter was getting ready to do something that nobody but Jesus has ever done. And that's walk on water. I've heard a lot of preachers give Peter a hard time because he saw the wind boisterous and began to sink. And he cried out for fear. You would too. But the truth is, we'd be like the 11 still in the boat. God was pushing Peter. All right, Peter, you were in the boat with me in the day. You let down your nets for a draught. You trust my proclamation. You were with me in the boat in the storm when I went to sleep. You trusted my presence. Now it's time for you to trust my promise. I said, let's go over. Trust me, Peter. And Peter, the Bible says, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Every picture I've ever seen of this painted. They've got Peter about knee deep in the water. I don't think he ever got that wet. I think just the soles of his feet got wet. Here's the amazing thing. As he's out there walking, Jesus never berated him or scolded him for asking to step out of the boat. You know what we need? We need some Christians that are willing to step out of the boat. I love what William Carey said, the great Baptist missionary. Expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. You know why most of us never see something great for God? We never try it. It was safer to stay in the boat. But I'm thankful for a character like a Peter who had enough in him to say, okay, if it's you, let me come out there. And Jesus said, come. And he saw the wind boisterous. What happened? He got his eyes off of Jesus. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. That's the most sincere prayer in your Bible. What word would you take out? Lord, that's who you're praying to. Save, that's what you want him to do. Me, that's who you want him to save. That's a good prayer. And the Bible says immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand. Jesus was within saving distance. I don't know what storm you're facing tonight, but God wants you to step out of the boat and come to Him. And it doesn't matter what the waves are doing. It doesn't matter the wind. You can trust Him because He promised. Aren't you glad we have a God that comes to us in the middle of our storm? You realize the thing that troubled them most was the waves and He walked on it. It just became pavement for Him. You see, God will often put us in a situation that's similar to what we were in before. And he would do that so that we would learn to trust him for deliverance. He'll put us in a test that's similar. But he'll want us to get out of the comfort zone. Remember the first time they were in the storm. Peter was used to being in a boat. As a fisherman, that's just where he lived his life. It was comfortable. The day that they were fishing and he launched out a little bit and Jesus taught and then they went out deep into the water. That was normal for Peter. This was not normal. I'm afraid in our Christianity we have gotten so comfortable that we're afraid to get outside our comfort zone and our safety net to just attempt something for God. Bob Hughes, the great missionary to the Philippines, said this. He said, get out on a limb with God. That's where the fruit is. But it's dangerous on a limb. Not when Jesus is there. Peter, this time in a boat, without Jesus in the storm, he's learning to trust his promise. You see, you can trust him when you see him, but you can also trust him when you cannot see him. And there are times in our Christian life when the things are happening all around us and we do not understand. We can just trust the God we cannot see.
to keep us safely through. You see, if you can't learn to trust him in the storm, he'll not trust you with greatness in the day. Peter had to learn to trust him even when he didn't see it was possible that it was God. You ever been in your life where God puts you in a circumstance that you just thought, how could God orchestrate this? Because he's God. That's how. With Jesus in a boat, trust him. First of all, in the boat, in the day, trust his proclamation. In the boat, with him in the storm, trust his presence. In the boat without him in the storm, trust his promise. I want you to see one last one. Let's go to the book of John, the gospel of John chapter 21. We'll begin in verse number 6, John 21. Just a little bit of a background. This is after the resurrection. This is after Jesus has appeared to them. In the upper room. And by the way, that's a good reason to come to church on a Sunday night. The first time the New Testament church saw Jesus after the resurrection was on the Sunday night church service. And Thomas missed it. I'm glad you're in church on a Sunday night. Amen. But then verse number six. Uh, oh, no, let's back up. Let's see. Uh, let me get the right verse. Uh, let's see here. I had six, but I'm going to back up a little bit. Go to verse number three. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, We go also with thee. And they went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. So here they are fishing again. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have you any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the other side of the ship, and ye shall find. And they cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Why'd they say that? They've seen this before. Amen. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in the little ship, for they were not far from land, as it was, as it were, 200 cubits, dragging the net with fishes. As soon as they were come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon, and bread. And Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. And Simon Peter went up and drew the net Full of great fishes, a hundred and fifty and three, for all that there were, were so many, and, the, and was not the net broken. It's, a, it's an amazing story here. This is in the boat without Jesus after the resurrection. They had seen him crucified. By the way, that was not in their plan. Even though he told them over and over again, I've got to be, 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 be forsaken. I've got to be betrayed. I'm going to be given to the hands of, uh, of evil men. I'm going to die. They didn't believe it. He'd been crucified. He'd been raised from the dead. He had shown himself to the disciples in the upper room. Now he shows, them, shows himself to them again. Now a couple observations. He didn't command them to get in this boat. They were there because it was comfortable. I think about this. Um, it's what they knew. And by the way, the, they weren't there because Peter quit the ministry. I've heard a lot of preachers preach on that. Jesus never says that. Jesus didn't scold him for fishing all night. Isn't it amazing how we, we read into a story something that's just not there? Why were they in the boat? They wanted to go fishing. How many of you like to go fishing? I'm really good at drowning worms. If I want fish, I go to the restaurant and order it. It's just what I do. <laughs> I get it every time. Amen. They were in the boat. The disciples were there. There was no storm. Just no success. These men were used to fishing and getting fish. But it wasn't the way it used to be. Uh, things were different now. Something had changed. What had changed? Not the fishing. They had changed. They had just spent three and a half years with the Savior. Sometimes the lesson will be that we are to do something different 
than what we've done before. Jesus asked them, children, have you any meat? They said, no. So he gives them a familiar command. Let down your nets. Cast the net on the other side of the ship. He demonstrated his power again in a familiar way. So much so that they knew it was him. Let me just pause right here and say this. Have you ever noticed how Jesus will work in your life in a similar way over and over again? There are patterns I've seen in my life of how God works in my life. And preacher, it's how I know it's him. I recognize, like, okay. Like, like John said, it is the Lord. Like, yeah, it's him. My wife and I have talked about it a lot in the last six months about just things we're seeing. Like, you know, I don't understand what's going on, but I've seen this pattern before. God does that. So we know it's him. He's doing this, but now he's getting ready to change it. He demonstrates his power. They knew it was him. John says, it is the Lord. And by the way, sometimes it takes a testimony from somebody else for us to know it's the Lord. Let me just pause and say this before I give the last thoughts on this. Uh, when I was at Lighthouse as an assistant pastor, I had pastored before. and God began to stir in my heart to, to pastor again. But I didn't tell anybody. I just prayed about it. It's amazing how God sent two men, one a preacher and one who was just a man in the church that was in my ministry. Both came to me in a couple months apart and asked me, Brother Bradbury, why are you not pastoring a church? Well, God put me here. Oh, well, it just seems to me, maybe God would have you pastor again. They had no idea what God was doing. You know what that was? That was a confirmation. Sometimes God will use the testimony of somebody else. Peter's out there with them in the boat this fourth time. And all of a sudden, John says, it is the Lord. He didn't even wait. Peter didn't wait for Jesus to say anything. He just jumped in the, in the water and swam to Jesus. I like Peter. He just, he's, he, he just decides, if I'm going to do it, I'm going all in. Amen? He didn't wait for an invitation. He responded. By the way, this is the last time you see Peter in a boat. Last time. It's a different Peter. In the latter part of this chapter, Jesus starts questioning him about feeding his sheep and do you love me? And everything was different. Just some thoughts here. God often works in similar ways in your life. With Peter, it's Peter and a boat. He takes us from what we know and are comfortable with to that which is unknown which is beyond our scope of understanding. Think about it. Who would have picked a rough, impulsive, loudmouthed fisherman to be the spokesman on the day of Pentecost? You and I would not have. We probably would have chosen John. He was closest to Jesus. Jesus picked Peter. The one that, and when you watch Peter, you just like, oh man, he said that publicly. Have you ever thought that when you're reading the scriptures? Do you know preachers like that? You're listening to one right now. My kids sometimes like, oh, dad, really? Dad, it's, it's, you have to understand what it's like to be a preacher's kid. You know what I'm talking about. I'm, not only am I, I'm a preacher's kid and I have four preacher's kids. I understand how this works. But Peter was being fashioned and trained for a purpose. Why? I believe the key to that we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we'll turn there, but when it says that he chose the foolishness to confound that which is wise so that no flesh should glory in his presence. When you see how God blessed Peter, you knew it wasn't Peter. I think that's why God puts characters like that in the Bible because we can associate, yeah, I've been there. Yeah, I've said that. God is reminding us, if I can use him, I can use you. Four times Jesus is teaching Peter around a boat. Sometimes God has to strip away from us what we know best. Boy, that is not a comfortable place to be. Sometimes God has to take us out of the situation where we feel comfortable and where God led us. But now it's different. Sometimes he has to put us in a position where all we can do is see him. Why? Because he's not going to use us in the boat any longer. 
You see, Peter didn't need a boat anymore. He was going to preach on the day of Pentecost. He had a jail cell with his name on it. But with that jail cell came great deliverance. In the case of, of, of Paul and Silas, they had to sing at midnight to see the answer to the Macedonian call. You ever think about that? Macedonian call in Acts 16, you know, come unto us and help us, the man of Macedonia. That man was the jailer in Acts 16. That's where the church started, in his house. Yeah, we, don't, we don't sometimes see what God has to put us through to get us in the position where he can do what he planned to do. He's teaching us to trust him. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. See, three times Paul had asked God to remove the thorn of his, in his flesh. I don't know what it was. I have some ideas, but we don't know. I think God didn't tell us just so that we could put ourselves in the story. Amen. Three times he besought the Lord to take it away. And Jesus said, he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then am I strong. What lessons do you need to learn in a boat? First of all, you've got to get in the boat with Jesus. That's salvation. Amen. you got to trust him. You realize he can't teach you anything till you get in the family. As a believer, do you need to learn to trust his word? What he has said to you in the written word of God? By the way, we can trust his book. Every word is true. Every word is pure. We can trust it. It's amazing we go everywhere else for an answer when God gave us his word. People come to me often and say, Brother Barry, I'm trying to figure out what God wants me to do in my life. The first question I ask him is, how's your Bible reading? Because if you're not reading that book and doing what it says, he's not going to tell you anything else. He wants us to obey the known will of God first that he wrote down. Then he'll direct us specifically. You see, you can't steer a car that's not moving. You want God to direct you. Get in his book. Do what it says. Are you in a storm? Do you need to know that he's there? Look for him in the storm because he is there. Trust his presence. Realize whatever you're facing right now, and I don't know what heartache you have, but I promise you if we go around this room, we knew what was in every heart. There are people in this room facing great heartache. But can I tell you, there is a Savior who cares. And he's ready to deliver you from that storm. If you'll see him in the storm. Are you in a storm? Are you in a situation where it's time for you to step out in faith to do something greater for God than you've ever done? So, preacher, it doesn't look like it makes sense. It usually doesn't if God's in it. I mean, can you imagine those other disciples? I've, I've often thought about that. When, G, when Peter stepped out of the boat, they had to think he was crazy. But don't you know they all wish they'd have done what he did? What is it God is pressing on you that he wants you to do that's beyond you? Beyond your ability in, in such a way that when it happens, everyone will know it's not you, it is him. Is it time for you to change the direction and focus of your life? Think about this, the disciples, there was no more casual fishing for them. There was no more career fishing for them. God changed everything after John 21. It was time to get busy with the thing he had called them and trained them to do. I wonder in this room tonight, is there somebody that God's been calling you? He's been preparing you, but it's now time for you to step out with Jesus in a boat. Lessons learned in a boat. I'm glad God put Peter in the Bible. I wonder which of those lessons do you need tonight? Let's pray our Father. Thank you for your word. Dear Holy Spirit, thank you for helping me as I spoke tonight. Father, you know even as I spoke, you spoke to me. And I have no doubt you spoke to those in this room. Would you help us tonight to be willing to heed the lessons that you're trying to teach us? 
Would you help us to look for you in those lessons? Now, before I finish my prayer, please, with heads bowed and eyes closed. Would there be one tonight that would say, Pastor, I, I don't know for sure that I'm going to go to heaven one day. I don't know for sure that Jesus is my Savior, but I'd like to know that. Would you pray for me? Would you lift your hand? I'd like that tonight. Thank you. I see those hands. Thank you. In just a moment, we're going to give you the opportunity to come and trust the Lord. We'll get, we'd have somebody take the Bible and show you how you can know that for sure. Who would say tonight, Pastor Brandenburg, as you've been preaching tonight and talking about these lessons... I realize there's some things that God has said to me. There's some things in His Word that I know I need to obey, that I need to trust Him in His Word. And tonight God spoke specifically and reminded me of some areas where I need to trust what He said. Pastor, pray for me. Would you lift your hands? That's me tonight. Many, many hands. Thank you. Who would say tonight, Pastor, I'm in a storm, and I need to see Him. Pastor, I'm in some difficulties. I'm facing some things right now that I don't understand. I don't see a way out of. And I need the presence and help of God. Pastor, would you pray for me? Would you lift your hands? That's me tonight. Oh, many, many hands. Thank you. And who would say tonight, Pastor, there's an area where I believe God wants me to step out. And I've been hesitant, but tonight God is speaking to me again. And I need his help to step out of the boat and do what it is he's wanting me to do. Pastor, pray for me. Would you lift your hands? That's me. Thank you. I see that hand. Many hands. Thank you. Then last of all, who would say there's a direction change in my life? There's something that God's been talking to me about. Maybe it is full-time service. Maybe it's something that he wants you to do. Uh, specifically in the ministry, say, Pastor, there's something God spoke to me about that's different than what I've been doing. And I need to respond to him. Would you pray for me? Would you lift your hand? Thank you. Thank you. Let's all stand. We're going to have the music play. And I'm going to finish my prayer. If God spoke to you, just slip out. If you want to trust Jesus as your Savior, as you come forward, just make contact with me. Look at me, and we'll have somebody take the Bible and show you how you can know that. Father, I pray you'll bless now in this invitation time. Help us to respond. I pray everyone that raised their hand would come to this old-fashioned altar and kneel before you and, and talk to you about that thing that you spoke to them about. Father, help us to be obedient and responsive. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.